Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm always excited that we have new music. Every week we got something new. Switch up the vibe Let's a little just bit. Just change it up tempo. For a positive Monday afternoon here in the city of Philadelphia. No shot, Bob. No shot. It's crossed up. There's nothing positive ever on this show. We're the most negative show in Philadelphia. There's no question about it. Hey, at least the Eagles won as a five-point favorite at home yesterday against the Lions. Oh, uh, uh, did, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. See, that's the thing. So, you know, we're here doing a, a baseball-only show, right? And all day long, you know, the Phillies get themselves embarrassed on national television last night. They lose 10-1. to 1. By tomorrow, they'll be officially eliminated. Likely by tomorrow, they'll be officially eliminated uh, from the playoff race. Although we do, we have figured out a way for them to get themselves back in this thing. Um, Win out and pray. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, but it's like it's almost as if it doesn't matter. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if everything went according to plan? And and so the Eagles lose yesterday, but you come and you listen to some baseball talk as a positive distraction. Gear up for a little October run here in the city of Philadelphia? No. 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 Not, not happening. Not happening. I mean, Phillies are, you know, as we've been, you know, sadly projecting for the past several weeks, uh, you know, the, the life support is is yeah. where the Phillies are on at this point. Tragic number of two, meaning any combination of wins by the Milwaukee Brewers slash Washington Nationals and losses by the Phillies uh, will eliminate them. Uh, from playoff contention, they basically have to win out. They have to go on an eight-game winning sh- winning streak. They have only won uh, four in a row as their best this year, um, and then they would need a lot of help. Uh, yeah, so just go down to Washington, win all five there, get within a, get within a game <laughs> of the Nats, and then and hope, then come home and play the Marlins team that you can't beat, and then, and hope the Nationals lose two out of three to Cleveland. I yeah. mean, that's basically what has to happen. Yeah. Phillies have to win out, and the Nationals have to lose seven of eight. Right? That would make 2007 and the Mets collapse almost seem like uh, yeah. it would be like nothing. It would in comparison. be. It would yeah. be. It would be. And there's news today. Um, JT Realmuto looks like he might be on the shelf now for the remainder of the season. Yeah. So he, uh, according to Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer, a uh, little knee discomfort. He doesn't believe it's an issue, but they want to get an MRI. And I think anytime that you do that, regardless of whether or not you say it's a, a big deal or it's not a big deal, uh, that's a little bit of concern. Yep. So that would be the icing uh, on the cake here as we close this month and close this season. Uh, Davey Gruyon time. Yeah, they, they cannot, I mean, just obviously stating the obvious here, they can't afford to have this happen. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't care if the Phillies win another game this season. That would be catastrophic if he has some type of significant injury carried into this offseason. Yeah, that would not be good. So, uh, so yeah, so you are listening to Crossed Up, uh, Phillies uh, podcast here on 610 ESPN Radio, Anthony Sanfilippo and Bob Wankel. Um, we're going to there's, I mean, it's not a lie. You say, well, what are you going to talk about with this team, right? We're going to do, talk a little bit about the game from last night, just you know how it, how it just comes to a crashing conclusion on national TV. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about something that Jim Salisbury wrote in his story today, just a little nugget uh, that kind of might you know, let you know the things are starting to be set in motion for changes this offseason. And then we're going to spend the rest of the time, Bob, 
just really looking at this roster. I mean, we did a thing last week where we talked about um, you know positions and who's going to play where or whatever. But if you really look at it and you look at the salaries and you look at who's who might be back, who might not be back, I'll tell you right now that if you're on your 25-man roster, not, never mind the 40, which is the 40-man roster is an issue in and of itself, but just going on the 25-man roster, I'm having a hard time coming up with more than 12 guys with a guaranteed role for next season on this Phillies team. Yeah, one thing that I would say looking at that is this team – it's going to be really interesting to see how they proceed past this season because they're not even close to being good enough. Right. So I don't think it's a, a tweak here and a tweak there. It looks like that they have to make drastic changes, right? Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to do that, but you said it, and we talked right before the show started. There's only, what, nine or ten guys that you would say are a firm lock yeah. beyond this season to come back but next I, I have nine definites, and I have three guys that are probable. Okay. Okay. So, so I have, tw- I have twelve. Half of your so half of the roster, roster yeah. that that you don't know. But the one, and, and but there, I will say this, and we'll get into this. This will be the later part of the show. But I will say this: the one thing that I'll give the Phillies credit for, they have a lot of room under the cap before the luxury tax. So the luxury tax, I think the first level of the luxury tax is two hundred and six million dollars, right? The Phillies next year estimated estimated payroll right now is one hundred and twelve point three. So they have. They can almost double it. They can almost double. I mean, they could. They could go past the first sure. luxury tax threshold. So they could double it. So they have. The one thing I give them credit for is they've kept themselves in financial flexibility to have that option. Whether they can get well, it done or not. they're going to need it because they don't have a whole lot coming from uh, Lehigh and Redding. And so. Exactly. That exactly. being what it is, they're going to need to spend that money. Yes, they will. But let's start with last night, Bob, because it was it was in a lot of ways a microcosm of the season. The lineup disappointed. They didn't really do much. The starting pitcher, Vince Velasquez, was typical Vince Velasquez. Doesn't go long into the game. Makes a makes like one or you know makes a bad pitch following a couple of defensive errors that kind of opens the game up for Cleveland, and then the bullpen falls apart late. I mean, it was it was just kind of like the things that have hurt this team, maybe not all at once, but throughout the course of the 2019 season, all came together in one nice little package for the entire country, baseball-watching country, to see. Yeah, so they're, what, six games out as we speak. Yep. And it was it's like a strange week that they had because they go down to Atlanta and they – they have a nice little series. They get the first two wins. Yep. They have Aaron Nola on the mound. He loses again. But then you have this rubber match last night. And you go, listen, even if they don't make the postseason, you still had a four and two week against the Braves, against the Indians. That's that's not a bad week. They have an opportunity to do that. And then they go out last night and it just all blows up in their face and they lose the game ten to one. Again, it's another nationally televised game. It's another game where you have A Rod kind of picking apart Gabe Kapler, picking apart what the Phillies are, some of the things that they do from a fundamental standpoint. And optically, it's just it's bad. I mean, the Phillies sit here, they're four games over five hundred. If they win three of their final eight games, they'll have their first win winning season since 2011. And, and though nobody in this city will care about that and nobody's going to be issuing any congratulations for getting to 82 wins, I think privately the Phillies would probably like to be able to say as they go into the offseason, hey, we took a step. <laughs> a two-game step. Let me ask you ago, this question, which we because this is this is what hundreds th- of millions of dollars. This is what it, it, it. This is what I'm envisioning, and I think it would be absolutely hysterical. But do they look at it positively if they finish 81 and 81? 
And what, and just spin it as we improved from a season ago <laughs> from, from a game? Yeah, so at least if they get that two-game improvement, they can say it's a winning season. You know, it's just it's so beyond disappointing. It feels like what we saw last night was the culmination of a three-month death march. Yep. You go back to July, and we spent all this time thinking about, like, how, how can they do it? Are they going to be able to, you know, sustain a little momentum and maybe find their way in? And by the time we got to August, it was pretty obvious that it – Probably wasn't going to work out for them, but they hung on, they hung on, they hung on. And then we get to September, and it becomes very clear they're not going to do it. But even up until a week ago, there was a path. There was a scenario. And then finally, it just kind of all came crashing down last night. And you talked about the starting pitcher not being able to complete five innings. And again, it was just vintage Vince Velasquez, four and two-thirds. Gene Segura makes an error to lead off the inning in the fifth. Vince Velasquez can't field a bunt, so back-to-back errors. He works his way. 0-2 0-2 pitch, two outs. Looks like he might get out of the inning. And then what's he do? He grooves a flat fastball, upper half of the zone. And Oscar Mercado hits it out for a three-run homer, and he's out of the game. And it's just like if there was ever a game that was Vince Velasquez, 81 pitches, can't get through five. There's just no growth with this guy. Forget the Phillies right now. Forget the 10-1 score. Forget last night. Mm-hmm. But just if look, you have to watch the Phillies with an eye on next year right now. And we talked last week, and I said, you can make an argument that Vince Velasquez could come back as your fifth starter, right? Because if you solidify the top of the rotation, get a little bit more stability in the middle, then you can have a wild card like Vince Velasquez be your fifth starter. But you watch last night, and you see these flashes of brilliance. He mowed through Cleveland's lineup, a very good Cleveland lineup, early in that game. But then it's just the same old Vince once you get to the fourth, fifth inning. It's just so frustrating to watch. It is, and I know you're going to share some numbers uh, with Velasquez for the season that we were uh, kind of talking off air just before the show started. Um, you know, one of the one of the things we were debating a week ago was, you know, of the three quote unquote young starters that the Phillies uh, kind of tied their or hitched their wagons to this year, Velasquez, uh, Nick Pavetta, and Zach Eflin. We were saying only one can really come back into the rotation, and who would that one be? And we bandied about, you know, who it could be. And you know, I, I, I think we both agree that Pavetta is a change of scenery guy. Um, and then it was really came down between Eflin and Velasquez, I think. But at this at this point, you know, what we're seeing here in, in the final month of the season, we're we've seen adjustments by Zach Eflin that we're not seeing with. Vince Velasquez and I think ultimately you know Velaz- I mean Eflin might be the guy that if you sit there and say yeah I can bring him back as my number five starter when you look at his numbers they're not terrible for a number five starter yeah, if performance matters I yeah. mean his last six starts since he's come back into the rotation he's sitting in the mid twos in terms of ERA last time out against Atlanta he was fantastic seven innings no yep. earned runs only five hits I mean that's the guy right now if we're doing this based on performance he may not have the same ceiling he may not have the same fastball as guys like Pavetta and, and Velasquez but I mean at some point performance does have to matter here right and, and he's but here's the thing if you look at his four seasons with the Phillies I mean I know it's only 406 innings in four seasons so it's about an average of 100 innings a season his whip is about the same every year I mean there was one year in 17 where he got hurt where it went up a little bit but for the most part, his career whip is 1.33. 
Right now, it's 1.327. Okay, I mean, literally, he's right at his career. So his career ERA is 4.7. This year, it's a little bit lower. It's at 4. Uh, his career FIP is uh, 4.74. This year, it's 4.64. So it's like it's he is what he is. I mean, Zach Eflin, is, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a lot better than what he is right now, but he's not going to be a lot worse than he is right well, now Well, do you think either. that there's any room for growth just because now I, he's healthy, one, yeah. and two, he seems to be a little bit more confident in what he is. He's not, you know, he's basically said as much. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm pitching more within myself. I'm going to do it my way. I consider myself to be a sinker first pitcher. That's what he's obviously relying yeah. upon heavily. I think he threw more than 50 in his last start against the Braves. And looked good doing it. And he looked really good. So now maybe if you put the health, you, you, you get a little bit more experience. You get your feet under you. He's finally healthy. And now he's more comp- confident and comfortable in what he truly is. Maybe there is a little bit more ceiling than what we've seen. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean yeah, he'll be 26 at the start of next season. So it's still relatively young. I mean, pitchers really kind of, you know, hit their groove the ages 28 to 33, right? I mean, that's that's like their sweet spot, right, to be the to be at the best level of his game. So there is probably a little bit more room for him to grow. Um uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy he's like a guy I look at and I say I would not be upset if the Phillies said he's the one of the three we're going to bring back and stick in the rotation. I'd say okay. I'm all right with that. Yeah, I can live with that too. And I I think that sometimes Vince Velasquez can sort of seduce you. Like if you just watch him in small doses, you say, Wow, like he's yeah. a bulldog, he's aggressive, he's he's got the fastball. And the problem is, Anthony, we've been saying this for four years now. It's it, what he wasn't four years ago is what he still isn't. And and that's the problem. And if you even look at the numbers, now, he's 121 appearances into his career. He's thrown 518-plus innings at this point. This season, 4.76 ERA. He has a career 4.63 ERA. The FIP, second worst of his career. Second worst whip of his career. The home runs have exploded per nine innings. He's up to two homers per nine. That's ridiculous. The thing is, even if the ERA isn't there, because we all understand that there's more that goes into a pitcher's performance than that, and you look at the peripheral numbers and you say, yeah, well, we're seeing growth here and here and here, even if maybe the baseline numbers aren't that strong. But they, there is no growth. We're not seeing that growth in him in terms of how he handles a game, how he navigates tough situations, and, and the numbers just don't stack. And I think at some point... Maybe he's a guy that remains in in your I don't want to say in your system. Maybe he remains on your twenty five man roster, but you can't go in to twenty twenty and say, "Listen, we really truly believe that we're going to take the next step this season, and he's going to be a big part of it." Right. Well, he's also two years older than Eflin. That's another thing. I mean, when you, when you sit there and say, uh, "Okay, maybe you could see a little bit of an opportunity for Eflin to get a little bit better." I'm not certain that you see it, that Velasquez is there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, th- I think we're at the juncture where this is it. You know, when you call an athlete cerebral, yeah, it's like a knock almost. It's like a slight that they don't have the same physical upside as other guys. Right. But I'll say this. At this point, after watching Nick Pavetta for two seasons, after watching Vince Velasquez for four seasons, I got to say, I, I, I would enjoy somebody that's maybe a little bit more cerebral that can think through and it back, can think through how to get an opponent out in a tight spot. And it seems like of the three guys, Zach Eflin's the one guy that, that may actually possess the mental tools to be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's sort of where I think, you know, you've seen what happened to, to Nick Williams now 
this month or what has happened to him. I I kind of just expect, even though there's a little bit more upside, and I'm sure that like teams around Major League Baseball look at a guy like Nick Pavetta and say, well, he's got the physical tools. I think that, that Nick Pavetta is headed down the, the Nick Williams path in this organization where they just say, he's a Major League Baseball player, but it's not working not out here. here. And we talked about this a little yep. bit last week. So, yeah, when, when it all kind of settles, when the dust settles, I, I, I'm with you. I think that Zach Eflin may be that guy that emerges as the fifth starter. Yeah, and, that's, and, and like I said, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And he better be the fifth starter because if right. they're bringing back two of these guys, then that's a problem. You know, you can't good luck I, selling tickets. And, and not only that, I don't only <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think you can even bring back two of these guys in the in the, on the twenty five man roster. Like I, I don't sit there and say, oh well, maybe we could find a role in the bullpen for Velasquez or Pavetta. No, no, I I don't. I think we've we've been down. We've seen that dog and pony show we don't need to see the only way i guess you could conceivably do it is if you made a change with your pitching coach and you said okay listen we know what these guys are we've studied their starts we've studied the numbers and we think now we know how to get more out of them i don't think the fan base would be excited about that but i guess you could conceivably spin it that way but if you bring back the same pitching coach i can't i I mean it just it just doesn't (laughs) I can't see There's that. There's no either. mix here. I, I don't understand how you could possibly do that. No, I don't. I don't know. And that's something we got uh, that that we want to dive into as well. And we'll do it right after uh, uh, after the break. Um, is is you know let's look at something that uh, Jim Salisbury wrote today, um, that, that kind of talks about both the the future of the manager and maybe even the pitching coach a little bit. But uh, did you uh, happen to catch? Carlos Santana this weekend. Uh, what did Carlos Santana do, Bob? Former Philly. Well, he only walked once, so start there. At least oh, he's, okay. he's swinging the battle weekend, yeah. and uh, I think he had more hits in this series than he did in certain months with the Phillies last year. <laughs> he was six for ten with a walk. Uh, that OPS now sitting at nine thirty two for the season. Yeah. All star, Carlos Santana. Yeah, with the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Yeah, they have was. an interesting week in front of them too. By the way, as they jockey for a, uh, a wild, wild card. card spot, I believe it's what them, Oakland, and, and Tampa. Uh, Tampa Bay, and two of the three. Yeah, we'll get in. Oakland's a little bit ahead right now. Yeah, I believe it's the Indians' raise even up going into the final week. So at least there's some drama in the Indi- American yep. league because there sure as hell isn't in the NL. There's nothing in the National League. Yeah. Nothing really in the National League. Um, I guess. Well, I shouldn't say that. Don't the Brewers play the Cardinals this week? I think there's a shot, and as hot as the Brewers are. I think there's a shot that if the Brewers stay hot, they could catch St. Louis and win the Central. Yeah, how about that team, man? You know, Christian Yelich goes down, yeah. and you just think it's over, and they just keep finding ways to win. I mean, well, one of the, that was one of the things I wanted to I, I wanted to kind of get into in a comparison when we start to talk about the future of Gabe Kapler as the Phillies manager. Is is you look at Milwaukee and you look what you know, and you look at Council out there, and I, I I'm not a huge fan of him in game. Like, I thought that last year he kind of blew it in the playoffs with some of the decisions that he made. I mean, they, they had the Dodgers on the ropes and 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 missed missed the opportunity to win that series because he started playing these stupid games with using bullpen pitchers here and there and yeah. everywhere, and the Dodgers just said, all right, no problem, we'll take advantage of that, and they did. Um, that said, uh, oh, they don't play each other. Uh-huh. Oh, Carlos play Arizona and the Cubs. That's what it's. I always I get this. Everybody's schedules all mixed up in my head. Okay, so that then there is no uh, drama there. But as far as Milwaukee is concerned, um, it, uh, 
when you lose your best player who has carried you for f- four and a half, five months, as Yelich did, Yelich is still going to be in the MVP you know, conversation for as great a season as he had for the Brewers this year. And you lose him, and you're behind in the, in the race. I mean, they weren't – the Cubs were ahead when, when, uh, when Yelich went out. To have the ability to rally that, that clubhouse together and get them playing the way they need to play as a team – to make the playoffs, which it looks like they're going to do at this point. Yeah. They've won eight of their last ten games. I, that's credit to the manager, man. I mean, to me, that's good management. And it's, it's I think it's something that kind of gets lost a lot of times when you talk about coaches in any sport, really. Just, you know, how they manage people. If you can get people, if you get your players playing a certain way for each other and, and, and you know even if they're not as talented as your record might indicate. I mean, like you pointed out off air, they still have a negative run differential, right? Um, that says something for the way that you're managing the team. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, 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 it's a little bit of a positive for uh, for council and the Brewers. You sit there and look at it. And so we'll, we'll dive into what that means or how that relates to Gabe Kapler as the Phillies manager and how much longer he'll be in that role. And we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast here on 610 ESPN Radio. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the Y for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the Y, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the why as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the why. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. And we are back on Crossed Up, Philly's podcast here on 610 ESPN Radio. Anthony Sanfilippo, Bob Wankel with you till 6 p.m. Uh, and Bob, a story came out uh, this morning uh, by uh, Philly's beat writer, um, Jim Salisbury for NBC Sports Philly, um, basically talking about the game last night and you know 
you could you could almost you could I always love looking at writers when they're at the end of a long season and they know that it's the end of the season and like there's no they know that their work will be done in a week and you could just tell by the tone right like the tone of all the stories that are out today is just like oh man just got to get through one more week of this and then I'm done right I mean it's been it's a brutal you do it all hey, listen that, I'll know. be uh, <laughs> credit to those guys because I have not been down there as much I've sort of I don't want to say been reassigned, but I have some other projects going yeah. on with Crossing Broad. But the idea of watching this team play on a nightly basis over the last month is not exactly a real exciting proposition. It's a grind. Baseball covering yeah. baseball is a grind. Yeah, we'll be down there this weekend, and I'm kind of going, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that said, I, you know, Salisbury is probably the most plugged-in reporter, baseball reporter in Philly. I think it's fair to say, right? I would agree with that. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, and so then when he writes something, he just throws just like one little nugget, the way he writes it. And it, w- my experience as a, as a journalist would tell me that there's something behind that. Why don't you go ahead and read what he wrote, and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. The Phils began their final week of the season, dash, and possibly the final week of Gabe Kapler's managerial term, dash, with what you might call a national embarrassment, Sunday night, they made three errors, two of which were extremely costly, en route to a self-destructive 10-1 loss to the Cleveland Indians on national television. Obviously, I said dash and dash to emphasize possibly the final week of Gabe Kapler's managerial term. Anthony, what do you make of that? I, he's not writing that unless he is being told that by yeah, somebody. Yeah, that's not a throwaway line. Especially, it's a lead. Yeah. It's the opening paragraph to the story. It's not like he's burying That's it not the somewhere, right? Word. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is the lead to the story. And so to me, when that's being written, you now this comes on the heels of, you know, the Ken Rosenthal story that we talked about two weeks ago uh, about uh, internal uh, mismanagement uh, of, of the organization and what it could mean. Uh, and then Rosenthal also followed that up with an appearance on uh, MLB Tonight where he suggested that. Uh, the next landing place for Joe Girardi as a manager would be with the Phillies, again, indicating that a change is coming. Um, and now you get Salisbury just throwing this little you know, line into the water and see, see what fish bite it. Um, I, I think there's something there. My interpretation, though, Bob, is this. Because as you know, my stance is they need to blow the whole thing up. That this is not just Gabe Kapler's fault. This is Matt Klentak's fault. This is Andy McPhail's fault. In a lot of ways, John Middleton, trusting those guys, it's John Middleton's fault too, but you can't fire the owner, and right? And I said last week that the one outcome that I would find to be unacceptable would be Andy McPhail, Matt Klentak back, and Gabe Kapler out the door as the scapegoat. Correct. I think it's entirely unfair, and we said that also looked like it was becoming increasingly possible. And here we are, and it looks even more so. Now. And I think that's exactly what it is. I basically think what's happening, and, and I'm going to take this from the perspective of you had the whole fire John Malley, Charlie Manuel comes in on a temporary basis as the hitting coach. That's John Middleton basically telling uh, the people below him, this is what we're doing. Because he had it, we know, you know, we, the stories came out that they, the, it was alumni weekend and Manuel sat. Uh, in the uh, owner's box with Middleton for the entire the entirety of that 15-inning game. Poor Rich Doobie and his wife were stuck yeah. in the back of the box because Charlie was giving them a ride back to the hotel, and they were stuck there while Charlie and Middleton talked. So this was a, that was obviously a decision that was made by the owner, and everyone else had to fall in line with that decision. Okay, I, I'm starting to think that Middleton is the one who's reaching out to these people saying, this is where the change is start coming. Prepping the masses. Start getting ready. Yeah. The change is going to be there, and that's where that's going to happen. And that's okay. 
However, I also think it's this. He knows that he's got McPhail and uh, Klintak signed for another, what, three years, right? That was what the extension wa- yep. extensions were for those two guys. That's a lot of money to eat for executives. Uh, and executives always do tend to get a little bit longer than the managers do um, in, in or coaches uh, in any sport, and, and fair or not. Um, that said, I think this is this is an ultimatum that the, that the from ownership. I think he basically said to them, "Guys, we're changing the manager now, we've from a business decision, and right. you guys are either on yeah. board or you can go too." Yeah. And I think that's what the message has been. Yeah. How do you come back next season? Try to sell tickets. Try to say, "Hey, we're going to run it back." Yeah. We're going to do a, a few things a little differently. Made a couple tweaks to the coaching staff, but you know, by and large, we're running back out the same product. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. Now. You know, I've spent a lot of time uh, on our show talking about Gabe Kapler and defending him to an extent and sort of maybe even, you could say, excusing away some of his his issues or shortcomings. What what I will say is this, though. We look at it and we say the Phillies fell short, but they were in it until mid-September. They almost made the playoffs. They came up uh, a week or two short. Pitching wasn't there. No depth, all that. Sounds like 2006. Yeah, it does. Now, the problem with that, and I think that's really where my focus has been, it's just get into the playoffs, the postseason, the postseason. The problem is is that the Braves are 35 games over 500. This hasn't been a division race since, what, June? Mid-June, maybe? I'd say right around mid-June. I mean, really, the all-star break was when we started to realize and said, yeah, they're not going to catch the Braves. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So then... They're 15 and a half games behind the Braves right now. And the Braves are, they have a plus 113 run differential. Phillies are minus 11. Yeah. I mean, they are so far away from Atlanta. And I think that this is the real issue. It's not that they were five or six games short of a wild card push because they kind of fell apart in September. It's that they're not even close in the division. They're in fourth place right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's what, to me, John Middleton's probably looking at you know it's not oh well we just missed out on the playoffs it's we're not even close within our own division and there are two teams that are leaps and bounds ahead of us and a third that shouldn't have been that is you know so I think that's a big issue now you were talking about the Brewers earlier and you know they're sitting there now at 86 and 70 with a negative two run differential and I believe, actually, the Phillies were at a negative two run differential entering last night. Yes, they were. Not before they, they got blown out. <laughs> but I look at that, and you talked about Craig Council's ability to rally the troops down the stretch. One thing I've said on in, in Kapler's defense is that I think that the locker room, the clubhouse, has his back. But they don't play like it. Right. You know, they haven't rallied down the stretch. They haven't put together that run where they ripped off five, six, seven, eight wins like playoff teams need to in the month of September. They just have not been able to do it. And I think a lot of that is about talent. And I think primarily it's about talent, but they just don't have that. You know, if you have a a set. Yeah. If you have a set, like. Intestinal fortitude. Is that the word you're looking for, Bob? If we were on the podcast, we'd be saying something else right now, but we like it here. So, uh, you know, I mean, they, they would. To me, they would have a little bit more than that, yeah. but they don't. And I do think that that's a little bit maybe reflective of not necessarily that they don't like the manager, but they, there's just not a spark there, you know? Yeah, I I agree. And I, I know that, that it's almost unheard of to have someone that is 
doing a, a radio show kind of be able to I don't want to say change his mind, but acknowledge the other half of it. No, this. you can't. You absolutely can't. And look, and and all along, while I've been on the other side of it, I, I agree with you for the most part for the season that Kapler was better at his job this year than he was in 2018. I think he was. I think he made an improvement. I thought, but I thought he was a disaster in 2018. Yes. Whereas I thought that he, uh, you know, he was not great, but he was better in 2019. But when you point out the disparity between the Phillies and the top of the division and sit there and say, that's where we have to get. We can't sit here and constantly be trying to get the wild card. Oh, well, we're so far behind the Braves. Don't worry about catching them. We got to build a team that's going to be able to go in and win a one-game wild card. You can't approach that that way. No. You have to catch Atlanta. And with the, with the gap being as far as it is, something needs to change structurally to get there. And – if it's changing the manager and the pitching coach, which I think is what's going to happen, because I think Chris Young is also going to be out of a gig uh, come come next Monday. Um, we're, there's going to be a real bloodletting when we're in here next Monday. It's going to be it's going to it could be our most interesting show in weeks. <laughs> it could be, um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I think those things have to happen. But I I agree with you. I will have a, I will be hard pressed to justify keeping the people here. Who created this mess to begin with? I still go back to the players, though, right? Like, it's, well, just, it's this vicious cycle where you go, like, you can acknowledge the shortcomings of the coaching staff, but at the end of the day, I just keep coming back to the talent. And we'll get to this in a minute. And I know you talked about the roster yeah. turnover, and we can run through it. We have the time. But I just, so there's two different components of this. In Salisbury's piece, in addition to what he wrote about, uh, you know, the, the pending or potential managerial change, he also notes that the Phillies have given up 16 2 homers this year, which <laughs> leads Major League Baseball. And so that's unfathomable. That's partly a Chris Young thing, I guess. Yeah. But it's also partly a talent thing on the pitching staff's end. And I know that home runs are up around the league at the historic rate and all that. And Phillies have already surpassed their single season record for home runs allowed. And I think by the time it's all said and done at the end of the week, they'll probably do so by roughly 40 home runs, 30 to yeah. 40, depending on what type of week we look at here. I think it's more of an indictment of the talent. And then I go back and I look at a guy like Reese Hoskins, who again last night was over three, two more strikeouts. He's down to 232 now this season. And I hope, I hope, I think if you're a Phillies fan and part of the, part of my belief about why Phillies fans are so adamant in their disdain for Gabe Kapler and disdain for this coaching staff and going after the GM is because they don't want to admit a potentially much scarier truth, which is that the players aren't good. And so it's just easier to say, if we get a real baseball guy in here, you know, if we get Joe Girardi in here, he'll fix it. Well, you better hope so. Because the first baseman is a guy that you're building this team around. Like, your vision for this team moving forward was Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins wreaking havoc in the middle of the order. Well, that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened on Reese Hoskins' end anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. We have a, a regular listener to the podcast who constantly um, sends me messages uh, both uh, on Twitter and then also, um, well, uh, on Twitter for everybody to see and then into my DMs as well. And he's he's you know we've had some good conversations um, uh, at Sports Dude PA, and he says I'm going to die on this hill. You know, Hoskins is an average player. 
And so I, that's one of the things that we'll, when we start breaking down the roster, we'll talk about a little bit. Um, is he a guy that you can ex- expect to be your cleanup hitter behind Bryce Harper for the next, you know, five, seven years? Or do you have to find him another spot in the lineup and find somebody else to be that that guy who needs to be behind Harper? And that's what the, that's a major question that the Phillies are going to have to answer this offseason. If you had to answer it right now, how would you answer it? It's a tough call, Bob. That's a tough call. I, if I had to, I I would lean more to see. I think he's I think he's better than than average, but I also think he's not as good as they. Is he the guy that's protecting Bryce Harper? Primarily responsible for protecting Bryce Harper for the next five seasons. Yeah, it's a tough call. Because um, <sighs> I don't see it right now. Now I don't know if this year just got so far away from him that things snowballed. Like it does. Right. He wouldn't be the first athlete to kind of let things get away from him. Rebounds, comes back, and he delivers. Mm-hmm. He's still relatively young. He's playing with a lot of expectations placed upon his shoulders. Sometimes it doesn't click right away. Right. We've seen this. I just, there seems to be a lot of holes in the swing yeah. suddenly. And it seems like pitchers have sort of, and I know this is a, an oversimplification to an extent, but it seems like opposing pitchers have figured out how to get Reese Hoskins out. And in this lineup, they'll say, okay, take a walk. You know, Bryce will do some damage too. Mm-hmm. But that's all you got. If we can be patient with you and navigate Bryce Harper, this team's not beating us. Right. And that's even with JT Real Muto's, you know, borderline top seven, top 10 MVP season. Yeah. That's no, a good point, and I don't. I, you're not. I don't think you're. You're wrong. Whereas, if you saw him in the sixth spot, and you go, I mean, think about this now. Even five. Yeah, but you, you have Bryce and another thumper, and then a real Muto is a factor in this, and then and, and then Hoskins. That yeah. that all of a sudden you you lengthen out the middle of that order, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's it's legit. so is. It, Let's just for the sake of not having a better comparison off the top of my head, let's look at the 2008 Phillies for just a second. Okay, is Reese Hoskins better as a Jason Worth type than he is as the Ryan Howard type? Yes, I mean anytime you can take a good player and take and make him less important. Or that's less what I'm. Vital but that's what I'm success. saying, that's right? A good thing. Or that's a, or Pat Burrell, like right. even like it's like in that vein. Like, is he okay? Are we still okay or with is Reese a big Hoskins? Part of what you're doing, but he's not the central figure, exactly, or a, or, or the secondary yes, figure, or second right. that, most second most central figure. I mean, that's what I was trying to. You know, not only that, but they have to decide when when the time comes. How are we paying this guy? Yeah, you know, what are his contract expectations going to be? And you know, I think it's a year ago, year and a half ago, we would have said. This guy's a borderline superstar. He's not a superstar, but he's right in that next tier. Yeah. Well, right now, I don't know that you can definitively say that. Right, and that's the and that's what the Phillies have to decide. And I think they have to make that call this off season. I, I don't think it's something that you say, well, let's give it another year and see if he is like because if you do, you run into the possibility of this lineup being just as inconsistent next year because you're relying on Reese Hoskins to be that productive player behind Bryce Harper, and if he's not. If he's not that, if he's what you say he is and he's somebody who needs to be further down in the lineup, then that's going to negatively impact the Phillies. So they have to make that call, and I, I think that's a tough call that I wouldn't want to necessarily have to be the person to make, but I, I get it. I mean, that's 
that's where we're at. Yeah, and I know. And if you look at his contract structure, he has his third and final year of arbitration eligibility in 2023. Yeah, he's so got we're time. still a long way away from having to to do this. Yep. But the the problem is we're not waiting until 20. Well, we better not be waiting until 2024 to decide what the Phillies are or are they contender. Or they, right. They still this right this team that's sort of floating around in mediocrity. They they have to figure this out now. And so they're going to it's it's not necessarily so much about what you're paying Reese Hoskins. It's what you're going to be paying that guy that's taking the place of what Reese Hoskins was supposed to be. Yeah. Right? Like right. you're going to have to make a financial decision about your offense ahead of having to pay Reese Hoskins. Well, let's talk about those financial decisions when we get back from the break because we're going to look at this roster and I'm going to tell you that they half the roster for next year is completely unknown at this point half of it and uh and we'll dive into that in just a minute when we get back here on crossed up a phillies podcast on 610 espn radio at any given moment somewhere in america a baby is taking a first step a developmental milestone but for too many parents a baby's first steps aren't just a milestone they're a miracle these are the parents of babies who were born prematurely or with birth defects. It's a crisis affecting more than half a million babies in the United States each year. You can help them by joining volunteers like you who walk in March for Babies. The money you raise funds research and local programs that help babies overcome the challenges of premature birth and birth defects. Together, our steps make stronger, healthier babies a reality for thousands of families. Sign up today at marchforbabies.org to take the steps that help make milestones and even miracles possible. Who will you march for? They just told us right away that we're gonna house you, we're gonna feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We could never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because, because of, of you. you. There is St. Jude. And we're back on Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast. Here on 610 ESPN Radio, Anthony Sanfilippo, Bob Wankel with you till 6 p.m. So for the next 15 minutes, Bob, let's really dive into the Phillies in 2020. Okay? Because I'm going to sit here and we're going to go through. It's going to be really hard to say goodbye to some of these guys. <laughs> uh, we're going to go through them and we'll go one by one. I mean, some of them are going to be easy. Yes, yeses and some are gonna be easy no's there's gonna be a few guys who are like yeah they're gonna be here i just don't know what role and then there're gonna be a few guys where you're like eh, i have no idea and that's kind of where and, and i think what we'll end up with is about a half of a roster meaning that the phillies are gonna have to completely turn over half of their 25 man roster 
plus with the addition of you know moving guys on and off of the 40 man that are um you know prospects and the like it's it's going to which be which illustrates the point yes Matt Clentac better be the guy man holy cow if he's here this is a huge offseason. This is man. it is. This is this, this is, is a fork in the road offseason. It's it's it is it's a cliff in a yeah. lot of ways, and they got to build a bridge across it. Yeah. Because if they don't, they're gonna fall off that cliff and be bad for a while mm-hmm. and be stuck with some contracts that they you know what are you gonna do about them? All right. So let's start at the top. Bryce Harper obviously is gonna be here. Actually, Philly saved money on him next year. Um, they were paying him thirty million this year. They only pay him twenty six million. Yeah. yeah, next year. So, uh, so Harper, he's a definite. Arietta is here at twenty million. Um, there isn't. He has an opt out, uh, which the team can yeah. void if they give him if they pick up the two club option years. They're not going to do that. That's not happening. No. Arietta is not going to opt out of a twenty million dollar contract because he's not going to get that anywhere else. So Jake Arietta is going to be in this rotation next year, probably as you hope as like your three four kind of starter. Okay. Gene Segura, he'll be back next year. He actually has the third longest contract, tied for the third longest contract on the Phillies right now. That's great because he hits for a lot of power. Uh, <laughs> big hustler. <laughs> great defense at shortstop. Well, it's, so that's the thing. So he's going to be on this team, and you say, okay, probably their shortstop next year. But you did make a good, a good point that he could be moved to second base if you can upgrade shortstop. Yeah. Okay. Talked so about D.D. Gregorius. Yes, week, right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that they're – I mean, Segura's going to be on the team. Um, question is, where does he fit? Andrew McCutcheon, obviously, he'll be back. Um, yeah, he's signed for two more years. But, uh, you know, you don't know how limited he's going to be if the, how, you know, with this with this ACL injury did. Uh, David Robertson, he's under contract for next year. Probably won't see him. Won't see him because of the, of the surgery has to get done. Uh, so it's just going to be lost money. Uh, Juan Nicasio is a free agent. I don't think you're going to be seeing Juan Nicasio back. Not going to see him back. Okay. No, no won't be back. Jay Bruce is signed for next year at $14.5 million. So here's a qu- interesting thing, Jay Bruce. He signed for $14.5 million. So, well, that's a lot of money. Except the Mariners paid 11 or $12 million of it, yeah, right? Yeah, the Phillies, I believe, uh, next season owe less than $2 million yeah. on Jay Bruce's contract, which – for a bench bat is is great right. financially speaking it's fine the question becomes is the roster spot worth it right like right. that's what the phillies are going to have to decide it's not about the financial commitment it's do they want jay bruce to occupy the roster spot given his defensive limitations he's essentially only going to be a left-handed bench bat might start once a week is there somebody that's more versatile right. that, that has a little bit more upside that you might want to carry? Is there value also in him being also, he's a been god awful? Well, he here. has been. Yeah. yeah. Is there is there value in him as a clubhouse guy? Maybe. I, I mean, mean, maybe. You know, I my don't thing know. is with at some point the guys, the young core, like Scott Kingery, needs to become a clubhouse guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Reese Hoskins need to be, needs to become a clubhouse guy. Yeah. You have Andrew McCutcheon there. He can be your your elder statesman, so to speak. I mean, so I don't know. Uh, he, that's not the, the primary reason I'm bringing him back. That's for right. Sure. Okay. Uh, Tommy Hunter's a free agent. He he won't be back. Oh, gone. Uh, Pat Neshek, they have a club option. They ain't going to pick that one up. He's, he's gone. gone. Nola, he's here. We know that, right? Okay. He's towards the top of your rotation. <laughs> this is your boy right here. Jason Vargas. Varg. Club option for $8 million next year. Right. Bob, is he back? $2 million to say see you later. And I think that's exactly what they'll be doing. Yes, I think so too. Uh, you know I love Corey Dickerson. Uh, he's a free agent. I would like. I think he's the kind of bat they need in the lineup. It's just it's, it, there's not a fit. 
I don't see the fit. We've talked about this yeah, a few times now. I, Who's playing center field for you? Do you trust Adam Hazley, Roman Quinn, some combination of the two? Yeah. I, I don't think that he fits here. I, I just he fits as a bat, but he doesn't fit with everybody with everyone else as constructed. Yes. So that's and he, and he's an injury constantly hurt as he, as he is right now, and that's probably why he will sign somewhere else. Odubel Herrera <laughs> signed for next year. <laughs> oh boy, seven point so three five million dollars next yeah. year plus the plus signed for another ten three the following year. And then two club option years thereafter. Yeah, they're basically on the hook for about $20 million in Odubel Herrera. Yep. I, I don't know. I, that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines of the offseason. Do the Phillies pay him out and say, listen, we just don't want this. We don't want the, the distraction, the negativity that comes with his presence. Not to mention he was terrible before this happened, uh, this incident happened earlier this year. And he wasn't very good in the second half of last season. So... I don't know what they're going to do there, but that's a heck of a financial commitment to just simply swallow. So that's it's interesting. Like you, you got somebody to take the money, you got Seattle to take the money for Bruce. You're probably going to have to do the same thing to send Odubel somewhere else. I would else. think so. And I just there's part of me that doesn't see the Phillies bringing him back for those reasons. Uh, but just just in case you're out there listening, the the damage is done here. Like the yeah. the suspension was given. There's no additional. Right penalty here, like he's back this is next it. year. He's he's yeah. on the team if the Phillies want him there. So yeah, that's a decision they're going to have to make. I'll, I'll say right now, if if you force me to, that he's not back. I I, I tend to agree, and I think that the Phillies will sell him for ten cents on the dollar just mm-hmm. to kind of you know not have to deal with it. Um, and that's going to suck up some of you know some money, but that's not a not a killer because they have so much room to to spend. Uh, Scott Kingery, we know he'll be back. I don't know if he's got a regular position or if he's yeah. I think that super that could utility play itself out in a number of ways. And, num- and, I, and yeah. I think that's going to be a dictated not necessarily by what the Phillies think Scott Kingery is, but by how the market progresses and what they're able to add. Right. I agree. I agree because he can, you know obviously can play you know six positions and um, uh, based on what they can add, they'll find a way to get Kingery as uh, uh, to be a regular in the lineup. Uh, Jared Hughes, three million dollar club uh, option for next year. I know he has not been great here. I expect him back. I think you're probably right. I, I had him as one of my maybes. That's relatively cheap. He's been successful for a five year span before yeah. this season. He's a really good clubhouse guy. I know. You know, we just talked about that with Jay Bruce. Yeah. I think that he's he's back. I think I think that you might be right. I, I leaned more to bringing him back than not. Um. Drew Smiley, free agent. I, I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, unless unless you want him as organizational depth and he no. comes you, super there, cheap. You, there's 8 million guys out there who yeah. you can add on minor league deals and say, yeah, we'll let you pitch in the minors and then bring you up when there's an injury. Nick Vincent, same no. thing. Free agent, not coming back. Okay. So those are, all the, those are all the guys that are not eligible for arbitration. So from that list, one, two, three, I four. I counted nine. Well, are we counting Bruce? Yeah, I am. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight. Uh, well, and Odubel. Yeah. So that's the thing. So yeah, like, there's set. There are seven definites, and then what do you do with Bruce and Odubel? Right. So that's so, okay. So seven that we got locked into a role, and two, not sure. All right, arbitration people. Cesar's final arbitration year. I think they move on from him. I do I too. said this last off season though, and. Sure enough, he was their everyday second baseman. I, I just 
I don't see the upside. He's a nice player. He's going to start for another team, yeah. and he can be a winning player somewhere. But on this team, on this roster, I just don't see it. it he doesn't be have better. a long-term future here. You, you need to upgrade this this team, and that's a spot And, and you that's can the up, thing. If you you're saying, upgrade. okay, well, the team's not good enough, and they're right. 15 and a half games out of first place, like you can't bring a guy like Cesar Hernandez back then. You, right. you have to make changes. He's a fine point. player, but you need something better. To, to get closer to the Braves. So that, that's that got to be a change. Okay. Real Muto. Obviously, that's the big one. Back, yeah. yeah. They're going to bring him back. Not only that, they're probably going to sign him uh, to multiple-year deal. Okay. Uh, Jose Alvarez, arbitration eligible, had a nice year for them uh, as a lefty out of the pen. He probably comes back. Yes. Uh, Blake Parker, also arbitration eligible. Ah. <sighs> He's, I don't know. He's Your just, a, he's, he's just, just a, guy. a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's no, just a guy. He's fine, but... I, like, I don't think so. I don't think that he's part of the plan. I, I, I think, again, he's got a guy like him, and we'll, another guy we're going to get to in a minute, Mike Morin, who's got two arbitration years left. These are guys that, that are going to be viewed as they were additions off of the scrap heap, and we don't want keep scrap heap guys from one year to the it next. It seems like the Phillies valued ahead of this season high upside arms yeah and these guys aren't high upside arms and so if you look at them in a vacuum you say like oh well there's a there's a place on a major league roster for this guy and that may be true but again you're talking about bridging the gap trying to improve i don't see how like if you bring back jared hughes then you're not bringing back jared hughes and mike morin and blake parker like you might bring one of these guys back to me hughes is the most likely because of the sinker Right. Uh, but, like, Mike Morin and, and Blake Parker, I don't see it. Okay. Uh, Mike Calfranco, we had a lengthy conversation about him. Uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? I can't wait to not talk about double yeah. negative, but I can't wait to not talk about Mike Calfranco. Yeah, and he's got two arbitration years left. I think he goes in a trade somewhere this offseason. I agree. Um, Velazquez, same thing. Uh, need change of scenery kind of guy. Hector Naris, they'll probably bring him back. Yes. Um, uh Probably a similar type deal. Probably even a little really bit of a raise. Really like to see Hector Naris become a seventh, eighth inning, high leverage guy, yeah. not a ninth inning guy. I agree. I agree with you on that. He'll probably get a little bit of a raise from the $1.8 million he made this year uh, to be in that role. Jared Eikhoff. Maybe. maybe. I don't is, know that he's on your major league roster, though. No, he's probably – that's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. like as an organizational depth guy, maybe, maybe. Marn, we talked about – you go back to the well with Adam Morgan again? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, th- I think the Phillies like Adam Morgan. Uh, obviously, injuries derailed his season. He, w- at a point this season, was awesome, I would say. I mean, he was he was fantastic, and, and then it just, you know, he ran into some injury issues. I think he'll be back. Okay. Phil Gosselin. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Leads a team in pinch hits yeah. this year. He's got he, 10 of them. Yeah. I, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't, Maybe. I don't see it either. I mean, he could be one of those minor league invite guys and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Eflin, we talked about. Uh, so, anyway, that, that's the th- that's your arbitration people. So, from that list, uh, Real Muto, Alvarez, Naris, definites. So, it puts us at 10 definites. Yeah. Oh, Morgan, Adam Morgan, 11 definites. And then uh, you look at, like, Eikhoff as a maybe. Um, and then Cesar Hernandez would. You know, who knows? Yeah, so we're pushing 11, 10, 10 11, 12 okay. guys here. Yeah. All right. Now, not uh, not arbitration eligible. Pre-arb or going into the first year. Uh, Eflin, who we said yes. Edubre Ramos? Probably. I mean, you're just talking about not necessarily loving the player, 
but just the cost at this point, pre-arb guys typically stick around. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's harder to, to quit on these guys. Then that brings us to Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think the ideal scenario is there is a team that, that believes in Nick Pavetta the way that the Phillies believed in him prior to this season and is willing to trade a meaningful part or, you know, some high upside prospect in return for Nick Pavetta or a guy that is similar to him in that he should be good, he should be better, and it's not working out where right. it is. Right. I don't think the Phillies just dump Nick Pavetta for nothing, but I think in an ideal world they do find a trade partner for him. Yeah, that's probably right. Hoskins, he'll be back, no doubt. Um, well, I shouldn't say no doubt. I mean, you could always <laughs> yeah. trade Hoskins for something Ooh. too, right? Um, but I, I'm pretty confident Hoskins will be back. Sir Anthony Dominguez will be yeah, back. He'll be back. I, I don't I, know if he's going to be healthy enough to actually pitch, but yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll be back. There's and question then, marks there. And then Roman Quinn is the you know the always the the big wild card because of injury. Yeah, and so what you see there are guys that you think probably for talent reasons, lack of financial commitment should be back, but. A, this is the deal, right? You talk about how do we make our team better. And he's out of options. You can't just bring all of these guys back. You have to You have to make changes. And so to your point, when you said, I think you could make an argument that 12 or 13 guys that were on this 25-man roster may not be here next season, you go down the list and you really think about their role and where they need to upgrade, yeah. you make an argument that you're looking at almost a 50% turn. And, and, that's, and that's insanity to me. Yeah. And, and really, Bob, when, you know, after what happened last year, to sit there and say, okay, we're going to have this objectively excellent offseason, which I will never forget, um, and, and spend $562 million. The new gold standard. Yeah, and $562 million on, uh, on players that we're bringing in or whatever, whatever the number was. It might be off by a, a few million there. Um, uh, to then be basically in the same position that you were a year earlier – it is is troubling where you have to probably make one or two upgrades to your lineup. You probably have to make at least two upgrades to your rotation, and because of injuries and two, carryover injuries, three, probably two to three bullpen. meaningful upgrades in your bullpen. And then you have to add depth. And by the way, can you do that? I mean, a team that experiences that much roster turnover, maybe that'll be our homework assignment this yeah. week because we haven't gotten there yet. But I'd be curious to know a team that has switched twelve or more players. On its 25-man roster from year to year, what is the success rate, and how frequently does that happen uh, at all, period? And then what's the success rate of a team that does that? Yeah, and we haven't even talked about, like, and you, you talk about doing that. And, and oh, by also, the way, you probably, you may be, if we're reading the tea leaves correctly here, changing your coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much turnover. I It almost makes me want to be pessimistic for next season already. Hey, <laughs> all right. Hey. <laughs> And we haven't even the, finished this one. And the Eagles are a five-point underdog <laughs> at Green Bay on Thursday night. Enjoy your week, everybody. Thanks That's for awesome. Listening. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, we'll be back next week for what could be a very interesting podcast. Because by next week, we could have uh, some changes with this within this organization. The season will officially be over on Sunday, and we will be here to talk about it at five p.m. next Monday. I want to thank Ryan Lennox as always, for producing our fine program. For Bob Wankel, I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. Stay tuned for more ESPN Radio programming here on 610 ESPN Radio.